putting stuff away. I had to carry a guitar, a Taylor guitar for Stephen Barrett Boy. Oh. That's his from his world. He was the Jesus on some of the DVDs Forrest Gump. Has anybody seen Forrest Gump? Yes. This is Texas. He drank too many and he's standing in front of President Kennedy. He goes, How are you? And he goes, I've got to pay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I thought, this is actually a prop for next weekend ones, but I thought, anyway, I do have some, some words for you, I believe. Where's the other thing? We got that, got the Dr. Pepper. <laughs> oh, no. Words out of the way quick. I finally, for the first time in 20-some years, bought a new Bible. In Texas, our GST tax, or sales tax, which we have in America, if you've been to America, I know it's driven you crazy because you see a price, and then the next thing, it costs you more. So we went into a used, uh, used bookstore, and I thought, I need to get a Bible. My other one was falling apart. In Texas, they don't charge tax on Bibles only. You don't get sales tax on Bibles. You don't tax God. It's like, are you kidding? I mean, Texas is weird. It's Bible Belt where I'm at, which is very challenging coming from California, where we are often hesitant to share our faith for fear of persecution and ridicule. In Texas, everybody's a Christian. <laughs> you go into a restaurant, you hear the Christian Top 40 station playing. You go into a gas station, I'm sorry, petrol station, and you hear Christian music playing. And it's just different. So, anyway, so I moved to Texas. People ask me, why did you move to Texas? I retired since the last time I was here. And I got tired of California. Um, in Texas, there's no state income tax. In Texas, the house you can buy in California for a million dollars, kind of like here in Auckland, costs $250,000. I have a lake house in Texas for two hundred fifty. Couldn't even touch it anywhere else. Cause, but the state of California pays my retirement, so I'm quite happy to be in Texas. <laughs> you know, it's a bit more humid. The bugs are a lot bigger. <laughs> I have to drive 25 miles to get to a Walmart where people wear a lot of those kind of caps. <laughs> and, uh, but it's okay. It's been an adjustment. It's like moving, like moving to Cambridge, where where I live. Moving to Cambridge, but 50 years ago. You know, it's just highways and farms and I, I had a longhorn steer taco meat. By the way, your food's better here quality-wise. Even your communion style. I mean, look at that bread. I mean, not that little white wafer they... Anyway, thank you for that. <laughs> okay, one word I got while playing. It's fun to come in and be able to just sound and sit down and play. It's a tribal thing. One of the challenges of moving to Texas is I moved to a town of 3,500 people. There's probably that. Well, I want to use the mic. Sure. There's probably that many more people 
Is it working? Okay. Rural, I live about five miles outside of town. There's 30 churches, 15 of them Southern Baptist. <laughs> because the Southern Baptists in the 60s and 70s built little churches out in all these little townships of 10, 15 houses. So I go to Texas. People are asking, why did you move to Texas? I'm not sure. It's slower and I like it. Well, what are you doing in Texas? I don't know yet. Now I know after having been there a year and a half, but I didn't know. It's all right, folks, to not know what God's calling you to do. If he's giving you the next step, you know, he said, here's your house. Didn't tell you there's going to be 75 people in that house 24 hours a day, did he? Because <laughs> I, I read about that. <laughs> I, I read about your houses on the, your Facebook feeds. I read about Rob's challenges, right? You've had a year of challenges, you know? So I read about all this stuff. Okay, first word I got, listening to the worship, right worship, but I saw you doing it, where's worship leader? Des, I saw you all doing what you do here in a park or a shopping center. Not saying you don't do it here, but I saw it, I said, you can do this outside of these walls. The beauty of driving here, this is like living in Texas. The roads are deserted Saturday morning. On Sunday morning, everybody's driving to church. They all go to church. I got lost. I drove beyond here, that away, several kilometers this morning. But I noticed everybody, there's a lot of people going to church. I mean, there was people in a van behind me wearing these real fancy, looked like a coronation outfit, white and you know, family, people walking to church. You have all the nations here going to church. It wasn't that way in Howick when I left this morning. So f there was a few Anglicans. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> so here it's kind of like Texas. But anyway, I saw the worship just setting up and doing what you do, proclaiming in the marketplace in the park. We do that, at our, well, I'll get to that. Um, have you ever been church shopping? See, I come back here, and I see you each time I come here. I see the same ones of you. This is amazing, because you have something going for you that a lot of Christians here in Auckland don't have. I'm staying with somebody. He went through the different churches he's been a worship leader at the last 15, 20 years, bouncing around Auckland, you know, churches. But my remembrance was CCC, COC, CLC, 3C, 2C, 1C. You know, and every three years, you know, the... Something happens in leadership, and they're off and realigning again. And I'm saying, folks, it ought not to be. You know, so I was looking forward to coming here because I know 
who I'm going to see because you have something called community. It's rare, but you got it. It may not have 2,000 people, which is the Western definition of success, but you have the biblical definition of success because you laugh together, you cry together, you're born together. Where's the, where's the youngest one that was here? What's his name? Samuel was there. Reminded me of Judah 20-some years ago. There he was. We've gone a generation. So I thought, this is great. You have the community. So the verse I have for you, I have a verse for you. Let's see if I got... Have you ever tried to adjust to a new Bible? Yeah, it's new print. My age, you go, you want to get your large print editions? <laughs> My grandfather was 103. He was hungry. He had his large print edition, a magnifying glass, and his Coke bottle glasses. He's going, Tommy, where does it say angels have wings? He's 101 or 2 when he's asking these questions. I'm thinking, you're 101 or 2. But he was still hungry. <laughs> I should have underlined it. Okay. As I'm getting older, and it's happening fast, I was raised in church that was performance-orientated. Orientated, that's how they say it here. Not oriented, like aluminum instead of al aluminum. <laughs> orientated. Oriented? Okay. That the verses which we emphasized in the Baptist world in those days was fulfilling the Great Commission. Go ye therefore unto the, all the world, preaching the gospel. So I went out with, for those who don't know me, with music teams. In 1980 was my first trip to New Zealand with a team that looked like a group called the, they weren't the Continentals, but they had guys and girls all dressed in polyester and we had angel flights, if anybody remembered what those are. Those are cold in the winter and hot in the summer. And they do choreography, and I was the guitarist on the, you know, in the backup band. In fact, coming into Auckland, musicians rarely came to Auckland. The big buzz at customs as we're standing and waiting in line, it was Amy Grant came through the day before. And then I'm talking to some guys in leather jackets, didn't know who they were, but their names were the Ramones. Probably their first trip here. Oh, what do you guys say? Oh, we're a rock band. What do you do? Oh, we're kind of a church thing. Because in those days, it was go and perform and do and be ambitious. Finally, a friend of mine, Ken Sockwell, he was on that tour as a vocalist. He said, why don't we come back someday and bring music the kids actually want to listen to? You know, something that we, and we eventually did. In 86, came back with my rock band and 88 and 89 with Ken's techno pop. But it was doing. And God is gracious. 
He'll take your doing for even if it's out of selfish ambition because we didn't know better. We just thought we're doing service for God. Meanwhile, the Forrest Gump thing. In 86, when we came back, the band was playing with, we were staying at a place called Snell's Beach, and we were all billeted at Snell's Beach Baptist with Lloyd and Vicki Rankin, Greg and Linda Burson, the McCorns, the original group. You know, and the Signs and Wonders conference from a guy named John Wimber was happening here in Auckland. So everybody was coming down here to that. Meanwhile, we were going out doing concerts in schools in, during day and by night. They would come back and minister to some of our people. The cross-pollinization, even though 1986, in fact, today, when I was setting up that tour, driving by Pakaranga Mall, do you understand what's happened in Auckland since 1986? Oh. They took me down to the viaduct Friday when I arrived. The viaduct, that's the boat place, right? <laughs> the traffic, the people, the signage, it's gotten crazy. At least this kind of looks like it looked last year and two years ago, but downtown Auckland and I'm thinking all the signs, all the energy, all the even the commercials on TV, every second there's a different scene. There's this bombardment. Going back, I've moved to a place that looks like New Zealand 50 years ago. But I see the Kiwis here, so many cars. Today I'm driving by Pekaringa Mall. That's where I learned to drive in a Toyota Crown. Remember a Toyota Crown? It's kind of a tuna boat of a car. And it was a terrifying experience. I didn't even want to drive on this trip. But it was Sunday morning, so I knew it wouldn't be too crowded in Howick and Pakaranga. <laughs> but as I'm getting older, I'm looking at the Word of God says we'll worship in spirit and truth. I'm very concerned about the truth in these days. Paul said, all I know and all I endeavored to know among you is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because I come here and people want to know about Trump. <laughs> you read all about it, all about him. You know, he's not my pastor, right? But he is my president, so I pray for him. You know, and then we got a whole bunch of people that don't want him to be president or running for president. Pray for them. They really need wisdom from the Lord. But in these days and times, I realize, in fact, I'm, I, when I moved to Texas, I went church shopping. I'm trying to think. The first church I went to was a biker church. It's a biker Baptist church. Their ministry, all these old Vietnam veteran bikers, and I had because I had a bike, a motorcycle, they escort funerals from funeral homes and chapels to cemeteries. That's what their ministry is. And I'm like, oh, kind of let the dead bury their dead. <laughs> Isn't that bad? <laughs> they they do that, and there's there's no no sense or knowledge. Some lovely people, but there's no sense of the Holy Spirit. 
Um, I was in a church a week a week ago in Seattle, and the name of the Holy Spirit was never mentioned. Much. They loved Jesus, but they didn't know. They just didn't know. So then the next church I went to was a cowboy church. We got cowboy churches. You know they're a cowboy church because they say cowboy church. <laughs> and since I'd had horses, so I swapped the horse out and got a motorcycle. Um, I thought, I'll go by the cowboy church. I mean, they have a barn. They have a rodeo arena with bleachers. They do riding training. They live, eat, and breathe horses. They're a tribal church. And it was fine. I went in, though, and the worship team was really good. But they didn't need me. They, they were that good in Texas. I was surprised. They were that good. And the pastors sounded like Jimmy Swaggart. And so you knew immediately going in the church, it's his way or the highway, the pastors, you know. It's like, because I knew all I wanted, Lord, the sign to me is that the leader of the church will just come and invite me out for coffee. So the next week I went to a revival center, Restoration Fire. And they're doing pretty good now because there's this baptism fire movement going on out of Georgia or something they've embraced. But I realized what isn't here. And here's what I was looking at and why I want to commend you here. I was looking, I didn't need a personality-based church. I didn't need a program-based church. How about a church, just one that has a home group? We have 30 churches in our town, not a one has a home group. They have programs. We have a Pentecostal church, the second biggest church in town. No home groups. You know, it's program meetings. And I went in there, and oh, everybody's friendly in Texas, and they get the most friendly Texans at the doors, the greeters. Hi, how you doing? Welcome to our church. And then once you go sit down, they forget about you. They're, they're busy greeting people. And I realized this is Bible Belt. This is how church is done. I'm thinking, what am I looking for, Lord? He goes, you're, well, not personality-based church, not program. Presence-based church. I got so tired of church shopping that I thought, I'm going to drive 50 miles to Tyler, Texas. I hear there's a vineyard there. I'm not even going to mess with looking for it. I'm just going to go down there and rest. Well, as soon as I went down there to, quote, rest, and then somebody came and invited me out for coffee and dinner and come over and watch football. In the church itself, the church has been there in the same facility. It's sitting above a Vietnamese restaurant next to an entertainment center, a dentist on this side, a, a tanning booth salon place on this side. And they're there. But the church is 25 years old and is already, it's called a replant now. They used to have two services of a couple hundred people, lots of youth, lots of rock bands, but that whole they kind of all get married and have kids. And they, now there's maybe 50, 40 or 50. It's a replant. Pastor went to the mayor of the town, who of course is a Christian. John Wimber said, 
if you're not ministering to the poor, take the vineyard name off your church. So they went to the, the mayor and said, because there's lots of churches in town, the pastor said, we want to minister to the poor. And the mayor said, if you can minister to the children of the poor. And that is now our mission state. We have a group about half this size that meets on Wednesday night. It's like a home group. We have old people. We have young people. We have single people. We have all the children. We have a children's ministry. Meanwhile, I'm a vineyard worship leader. They got to need me at a vineyard. Actually, they don't really. They made me the bass player. <laughs> I'm third string everything, but I'm the children's worship. I'm singing songs I sang as a child. You know, ho, 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 hosanna, hallelujah. <laughs> I had determined never to sing Father Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons have Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. So, <laughs> but those are kinesthetic. You know, we hand out, we hand out, I mean, four songs in the service, proper vineyard, newer stuff, most of which I don't know. And, but we hand out on Wednesday night little streamers. Little shakers, there were shakers here. We kind of look and sound like you here. Awesome. It's great. That's why I was looking forward to coming here. Meanwhile, on Sunday morning, they finally introduced me. The pastor gets up. Ah, this is Tom. He's come from Anaheim. Didn't actually come from Anaheim, but we have two Californians, and he said, he's the grandpa worship leader. <laughs> I used to be Uncle Tom, now I'm Grandpa, and I'm fighting, I, I moved all the way to Texas to be the Grandpa Worship Leader for five-year-olds, and it's, I had an attitude. Then they invited me along to, we do every other week at a rest home, 85-year-olds. They reel them in in wheelchairs. I hadn't done that since I was in Birkenhead. I mean, they're and they're like these are like. Ugh. So they they like they like Father Abraham, That's a, and ho ho ho. That was funny, but I do hymns, and we do them at the top of our lungs in melody. But hey, I've got sixty years in the body of Christ. I I can do these, so I'm there first times with attitude, but God, I I'm a vineyard worship leader, and God just laughs in His heavens. Again, another Wimberism. We're change, spirit change in God's pocket. He can spend any way he chooses. And I finally came to resolution in Texas because some of the parents, we minister to the parents of these four, five, six-year-old, particularly single parents. We minister, we have single parent night where we take the kids for three hours so that the single parent can go and, and have three hours off to do whatever they want. You know, so we have this burgeoning little children's ministry in a vineyard that has long since declined in numbers, but God is building it again because we're following what the Holy Spirit is saying to do. And we're looking for him. There's a, quite an emphasis on the book of Acts, both in the church and in our culture, which is surprising, because the book of Acts, Luke never finished it. 
Where are the final chapters? Where are the next chapters in the book of Acts? What is he doing among you? I mean, and we're, tr we're training a guy named Carlos from California. We're, we're telling him how to, you know, how to walk in the spirit. We've got this generation. I couldn't believe it. I thought they were, when I first time started leading, we have some millennials. Understand, where I live in the world, there's no millennials. There's some really young families that are having kids, but there's, they're not millennials. And I have this heart for millennials. Well, in the city, we have some millennials. You know, you do a Bible study, they pull these out. <laughs> At first, I thought they were cruising through Yahoo. But no, they're looking up verses. and th I mean, this is... We're encouraging them to get paper for their Bibles, just to have it kind of as a backup. <laughs> All I know is Jesus Christ and him crucified. The verse I got, I know I've shared it before. Next week, I'm, I kind of have both... Two different sermons, but they're meshing. Next week at Lloyd's Church. I mean, I'd ministered out of there in years past, but I've never spoken there till next week after the conference. That's so I'll be sharing there. Um, while I was sitting here listening to listening to the worship, it says, "For he's purchased men for God from every tongue." and tribe, and family, and nation. And I'm thinking, be encouraged. You got it here. It's like, what language are you going to sing next? What? You got it. You're right in the middle of it. You have it. You may not have all the trappings of a church that has several C's in their name, okay? <laughs> or the smoke machine, but you've got... I don't know if they have. No, I've not been to one. <laughs> Some do, so, yeah, but it's, you've got each other, and you've had each other for how many years is this going now? 22. 22. Wow. You've got each other. You know, Billy Graham had his crew that traveled with him, and his musicians, and his crew. And Billy and his wife bought some property in North Carolina on a cul-de-sac to have their home that would be their last home. Speaking of, yeah, everybody's going to be. Well, the people that he's worked with all their life, their team, they all bought property and built homes on the cul-de-sac because they wanted to be together. They've decided my destiny in Christ is with us. And in this group, some of you have chosen, you're going, you're, you're marrying each other and you're burying each other already yet, right? I'm not prophesying there. Not yet. But, but marrying and bearing, in other words, you're committed through thick and thin to each other. And it's odd seeing Auckland. I, I mean, I was downtown. I was out west, and it's so transitory. You have a what I consider a jewel, a gem, in each other, what you're doing here. The thing I hungered for in the body of Christ was not performance, but was a group to just be, to work through my stuff in, that it's safe. You've got that. 
bearing one another's burdens. You've got that. You don't have to go find another CCCCC church and hope somebody cares in the middle of the programs and fancy presentation. You won't get it there, no matter how friendly the greeters are at the door. Everything you need in Christ as a body of Christ, you have right here. You know, I won't, I feel kind of bad because I mean, 15, 20 years ago at the other place, I gave a word say, get more chairs. Are they stored somewhere? Okay. I'm not even going there with the chairs. But Lord, honor, Lord, honor that word because it sure doesn't look. I've been told two or three words I gave that just doesn't look like they went the other direction. You know, I gave a word to one guy here in New Zealand. I said, do whatever you have in your heart to do. I didn't know what it was. Well, he immediately took it to be expand his business, which immediately then went under. <laughs> I didn't know what it meant. And obviously he didn't know what it meant either. So. <laughs> In that Lonnie book, which you can pry from your pastor's hands someday, he owns it. There's only four of them I brought to New Zealand, so um, three will be here on the North Island. Um, somebody asked Lonnie, they were giving testimony, it was King Gullickson, the guy who actually started the vineyard, they were there at the book release a week ago, and Lonnie's mantra was, follow the Spirit of God and do what he's doing. It's fairly simple, follow the Spirit of God and then just do what he's doing, and you'll be successful in ministry. You don't have to do any other definition. You don't have to add to it. Just, what is he doing? So that's like when I saw the music thing, I saw you all just doing that. What was the third song? Yes, I, I heard, it was like you were doing that in a park or place where people could come by and gather. Do you know what we do with ours? We have a park that's 100 meters wide and several miles long. But it's got a jogging and bike path through the whole thing. And it's hot in Texas and humid. So we go down with the kids with a radio flyer wagon and fill it up with water bottles. And just love on the people who come jogging by. Want some water? And our kids are, you know, the seven-year-old, they're the one, want some water? <laughs> because we're figuring out ways how to love on our community. The, the single parents, you want some time? We had a lady come by. We had our first one. We had five parents drop kids off for the three hours. One parent, we didn't even know her because you can now advertise on Facebook right there in your local area. And... She came with her kids. The daughter was very well adjusted. The son didn't want to let her, he severely emotionally stunted or whatever, didn't want to let his mommy out of his side. She's not a Christian. So she sat for the three hours while we did the music with the kids and showed Lion King or whatever it was they showed, you know. Through, I mean, 180 minutes with a bunch of kids. 
anybody do that here? 180 minutes nonstop. You know, but she sat with us through the songs, listening to Father Abraham. I haven't done Arky Arky yet. I'm still fighting doing that one. But she's getting it. Because, and she's come around to our Wednesday night group. And the son, who didn't want to let her out of sight, now plays with the other kids. They love, all the kids love coming down to the church. And I'm the grandpa worship leader. <laughs> I didn't set out to do it. See, sometimes we're the last to know that God's doing a new season in our life. Remember the prophetic word, Yea, thus fairly I say it to thee this day. I am about to do a new thing. Remember the new thing one? Yeah. That prophecy? It's like number three prophecy. Prophecy number three. You know, well, he's always doing a new thing, but he's, I'm the last one to realize I'm no longer in the old thing. <laughs> but I made my reputation in the old thing. I like doing the old thing. I'm when both worship leaders are sick, they pull me in and I'm allowed to do the old thing. <laughs> Happens once every eight or ten weeks. And you know what the first thing I do now when we're doing the old thing? As I pull the kids up and I ask the children's minister lady, I said, can you bring all their banners and stuff and shaky things? And the room goes from cool vineyard to breaking wide open. Because you take what you have, look for the points of anointing. You've got a lot of them here. I mean, you're loaded with them. Look for the points of anointing. It's me if it's my five-year-olds. Now that I embrace them, <laughs> the parents, the parents go. You know, the kids are singing these songs around the house. Parents love it when their kids are singing worship songs around the house, and all of them are kinesthetic. They all have hand motions and marching, and all of them. When I got there, they said, "Do you know the song?" My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. The mountains are his. The rivers are his. The stars are his handiwork, too. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do for you, for me, for you. Well, the lady who wrote the song, who died at about 98, year or two ago, was in my Baptist church. So here I come full circle from being sick. So I learned it from the person who wrote it. And here they're doing it 60 years later, halfway across the country. So I went on YouTube, and there's a whole bunch of versions of that. And then some have been hipped up pretty nicely. But I thought, what a legacy to write a song that's still going. I stay with my friend's Evie Ballman, you know, Daryl died. She remarried Carl Tuttle, who was, what a pair. But Carl wrote the song, um, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. I mean, the Pope comes in the Pope Mobile in Latin America with that being sung in Spanish in stadiums. That song is all over the world, and it's a perennial. I said, Carl, I mean, on the side, Carl gets $700 a month royalties from that song, and he wrote it like in 10 minutes, because he's not doesn't consider himself a songwriter. But here he has given the world a song, 
that's still being used. You know, that's rare. You have gifts. You don't know how God is going to spend your lives. It may not seem flash in the eyes of the world here. But I'm, I mean, look what happened this morning. Robin gets up. Worship team's not even up yet. In the anointing, the worship anointing hits the room. And it's not because of Robin's choreography. <laughs> but it's the expectation you've cultivated. You've cultivated. I'm sitting there just grooving on it over here because I'm trying to get to the point as a worship leader, I'm not a good worshiper because I was raised as a worship leader. This is not worship to me. This is. You know, it's hard for me to stand there naked with no guitar. It's not natural for me. I'm saying, God, make it natural for me. I want to press in. I took Warren. You know Warren Blackwood? He visited all six foot seven of them. We went to a place called Upper Room in Dallas. Their evening service is 450 millennials. They did two songs, an hour and 45 minutes, and it never got old. You can YouTube Upper Room Dallas and watch some of the, the worship, but their distinctives of their church is worship and intercession. That's the two things that they do, and they've cultivated for for years. In coming here, look what you've cultivated. You got the tribal thing going. I'm going to end. Do you know um, Bruce and Marlene Greaves? Once vineyard, always vineyard. They came and visited. This is a indigenous native people story. Marlene is very Maori. Okay? That's indigenous people here in New Zealand, for those who aren't aware. She came to the States... <laughs> They came to the States. I have a big old motor home. And they flew in. I ticky toured. Now I ticky tour people around to New Orleans and Memphis to visit Elvis. And, and then we jumped in the motor home with the cat and drove to California via Utah. Well, one of the things she wanted to do was go to, go to a Native American reservation. Well, we have the biggest reservation in the United States is the Navajo Nation. 450,000. 500,000 Native American Navajo people. We go to the Walmart right in the reservation. Marlene is, is an indigenous people heaven. She goes in. The, here's the problem, though. Marlene will talk to anybody, anywhere, anytime. She's just a social... The Navajo people are very gentle, very quiet, very reserved. And she met just about everybody that evening in the Walmart. And they're like, but she looks like them. But she walks as as many years are led by the Spirit of God or the sons of God. She walks in this, and she's meeting people, and she's picking up the values. Then she meets somebody at the RV park these five or six old biker guys who have been out ministering on the reservation, they gave the reference. Next thing you know, they're doing the service at a Southern Baptist church way out in nowhere in the dust. 
And there's Marlene, and she came just beautiful. She has her whole South Pacific Maori outfit on. And they were able to minister because the gentleness and quietness with the Navajo Nation is tremendous shame on the people. There's a spirit of shame. And she was able to minister into that. Then we go, after church, we go up to Mesa Verde. That's These are the cliff dwellings where they had really early Native American cliff dwellings. We're sitting overlooking these cliff dwellings. I mean, they're a thousand years old. There's two ravens soaring on the breeze. I was kind of naughty, though, because she's like going, she's just really feeling the indigenous connection. Next thing, I, d I did, I jilled her. She's there. I go, more Lord. So right there at the tourist overlook, she got flat out drunk in the spirit and is just stumbling around and laughing. Even Bruce was embarrassed. And people would pull up in their cars, kind of get out and go, oh, they get back in their car. Because <laughs> she is on the connection. And she's been invited back to go minister in that church to people. It's divine connections. Hanging out with her is these constant divine connections because she's always talking to people. And that's what God wants to do with you. There's open doorways, whether it's the... I'm listening to the music. Everybody that hangs out in Manjir <laughs> would relate to what I was hearing here. And it wasn't because I was on the conga because I'm not that good, but they would relate to that. Opens up conversation. How do we love on this community? Lord, you show us. I'm now at the age, I think Robin's at this age now. We don't want to do anything or expend any energy than other what God is doing and asking us to do. I haven't got it. I haven't got the energy. And it's so much easier when the Spirit of God is doing and leading it. And you've got it because you have something most churches don't even realize. I'm puffing you up, I realize. You have community. You have cross-cultural community. You dine together. We dine together every Wednesday night at 5.30. We bring our pizzas. We bring taco mixings. We bring our burritos from wherever. And we dine together. And then we have our meeting while the kids go back for an hour with the kids' workers. And we have a Bible study. But we're together. I have a community 50 miles away. They actually care if I'm gone. Most churches, God bless them, they don't even know they don't even know I'm gone. They know if somebody's not there to do the program, but they don't know I'm gone. Here, if somebody's gone here, you all know it. You cry together, you laugh together, you dine together. And my main thing today is just keep doing it. I mean, eventually God gives the increase and you might have to pull the chairs out again. <laughs> I, I wasn't prophesying that. I was just <laughs> hoping, hoping. <laughs> you know, Jill, you said you have a destiny, but the destiny is being the body of Christ. He says he's he says he's well pleased. I mean, the the thing I like about the group I'm in now is I can be messed up. 
I can be hurting. Every week, some of us coming in are hurting. We're bearing one another's burdens. I don't have to hide behind my Christian smile and my worship leader facade. I can just come in, how are you feeling, Tom? Like crap. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't say it like they say it in Texas. I'm not feeling so well. Oh, by the way, your new words that you have here, I'm always watching words. Like I had never heard the phrase until last night, yeah, no. Yeah, no. But I see interviews on the Herald and stuff online. I said, the word used to be epic here. Now it's massive. Uh, what's this game going to be like? Oh, it's going to be massive. <laughs> I was going to start the sermon with this. I'll end with it. I may have given this analogy before. Three men had shovels in this empty lot. They were in this trench. The first one was asked, what are you doing? He said, I'm, I'm digging a trench. Second one was asked, well, what are you doing? Same thing. I'm building a wall. The third one was asked, what are you doing? I'm constructing a cathedral. Folks, you're constructing a cathedral here. Some of us won't be here to see the finished product. Cathedrals take many generations. But you're, choose the word, the strongest word in the Spirit of God for what he's describing. You're building a cathedral. You're not just digging. What are you doing? Washing dishes. No, I'm contributing to the necessity of the saints. I mean, parents, you're changing a nappy. What's the attitude? You know, I'm wiping this kid's bum. I'm raising a man or woman of God. <laughs> and hopefully sooner rather than later. <laughs> so he says you're building, you're building an edifice that by his spirit he inhabits you as a people, as a community. That's what you're about. And there's many communities and churches pray for them. Because that's what he's doing in these times. What's happening now, and I saw it in Auckland, we're on the waterfront dining. People in Auckland are like California. They don't know, or even tech, they don't know they're lost. They're very comfortable. They don't know that they lack. I mean, we're eating food. There's no lack here. I mean, I'm having fish tacos. There's no lack. The need for Jesus, only by the Spirit of God can he point out that you have something that they don't have. It may start by singing in the park. It may start by giving the cup of water, and they're going, look at these people, how they love each other. That's what you're building. So be encouraged today along that line. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. That's what's happening. By the way, I don't even own cowboy boots or a cowboy hat yet. I'm not in that part of Texas. So, anyway, Rob, I'll, who am I handing this over to? To me, I guess. Let's eat. No. <laughs> 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 Amen. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh,
That's just staying, Joey. You vote for Trump. <laughs> okay, let's just pray. This, um, I know some of you probably have words of knowledge. If you haven't, you've got 10 seconds to ask the Lord. And you better have something. Just reach out. Okay, especially some of you kids. If you ask, he'll give you something, all right? So, Father, we thank you for, um, Tom's, we thank you for the encouragement, Lord. We, it's good because sometimes we forget who we are. We, for, we forget what you've given us. We forget what you're actually doing. We thank you for community. We thank you for Southside. We thank you, Father, what you've given us. And we don't, Lord, it's not like we're boasting in ourselves, but Lord, just thank you for what you've done. And, uh, Father, we take it to heart, Lord. Father, we thank you for your presence. Lord, just release, Lord God, Father. Lord, just what do you want to release, Lord God? Father, just what you want to do. Um, just, I had a funny thing, I'm not quite sure, but we just, I'd be good to go with it. Last week, Many of you got touched in, for evangelism. You know, the Spirit of God came on you. Um, it's funny because I, I feel as we should pray for you again. That's really weird, but I don't know if God, but just want to pray for you again. But I think it's, I had the impression that those that, like, you know, God really came upon you in your evangelism. But it was, I think it was like just to pray for you again that God would use you, and especially in healing. It's strange because, you know, evangelists often they're on the cutting edge of, of healing. We all pray for the sick, but some of you we call to be evangelists. I think one of the keys, one of the doors that I think God's going to open is that is there you're going to, he just wants to give you like, a, a, to really anoint you just an opportunity to pray for the sick because that will open doors. So if, if, if that was you last week, can you put your hand up? Some of you got really touched in evangelism, right? Just put your hands up. Okay. Um, who else was there? Okay. So can we just have people gather around those ones and just anoint, just ask God to anoint the hands in the air of healing, all right? Because I think that's a real key in evangelism. Sometimes it's just praying for people. Um, I know we all do that, but it's just like, so just do that. So just gather around, keep your hands up, those people, okay? Okay, gather around, look around someone, okay? Don't close your eyes. Everyone look around, find some people. Okay, there's Dez. Sharon. Jeff and Claire. Who else was there? John. Someone go around John, okay? And just anoint, just pray for the hands. God, anoint the hands, okay? And... And uh, but I first feel God wants to, uh, it just wants to increase that, okay? It's like, because there was a real anointing last week and, and for evangelism, like the Spirit of God came upon you quite powerfully. Some of you, Joy's not here, is she? Is Joy here? Oh, you want to go and get um, just Joy? Sorry. I know she's doing crash, but I think we need to pray for her as well. Is that okay? And just pray that God will just release like a... Uh, you know, just a real boldness to begin to really pray for the sick. Like, we just open doors, but that's like a real key in evangelism. John, yeah. 
Okay, so just begin to praise. Anyone's got any words, other words of knowledge while we're here quickly before we start? Okay. Yep. Okay. Someone got sore arms like carpal tunnel? Is that Susie okay? So you want to, someone get, just gather around Susie, there's someone there okay? You can all pray. Sore knee? Someone's got a sore knee? David, okay. So you want to pray for there, Catherine? Just get, get someone, just come around David, okay? It's good. Anything else? And so remember, God gives a word of knowledge, it's because, guess what? It's because he wants to do it, okay? And so you have to approach it with faith, okay? Because sometimes you have a word of knowledge and oh, nothing happens. But often when you think it's a word of knowledge, it's because God's on your case. In other words, he wants to perform what he's just spoken. Don't take it lightly. Um, it's something to do with what Tom was sharing. It's about being the people where others can come and work their stuff through with us. I just feel the Lord actually calling those who have hospitality gifts. Or even if you have the desire to to open a home group or open your home even more, I just feel if, if it's if that's you, just lift your hands and we will pray for you. I just felt that word is so strong for Southside. And so Father, just come. Or even if you want to wanna be with certain group of people, whether in the house or out there, if that's you, just lift your hands up. Remember the last one and a half years, I got groups coming through in my mind, in my heart. And so, yeah, just, just come, Lord. Just begin to release your anointing of hospitality. Jesus was one that was so hospitable. He did barbecue at the beach for those who are brokenhearted. He released food for, for 5,000 people to eat. And so, Father, we received the anointing and the grace for hospitality, opening up our hearts and our homes for those who need Jesus, whether it's they're in the house or out, out there, Lord. Thank you for your grace. So, Father, just release your presence right now, Lord God. Father, come. Lord, anoint those ones, Lord God. Father, hospitality, healing, Lord God. Father, just especially those here. Lord, put a healing anointing in Joy's hands in Jesus' name. Father, a boldness to pray, Lord God, for the sick. A boldness, Lord God, to, Lord, to pray for the sick. Oh, let it come. Just anoint her hands, Lord God, Father. Lord, there'll just be like opportunities, Lord God. Father, like someone have to strive, it'll just happen. Lord, you'll just know when to look, pray for certain people, Lord. Lord, put healing in her hands. Anoint her hands for healing. Anoint them, Lord God, Father, with boldness just to step out when the time comes. I have to pray for people. Lord, they, they, when they begin to share and say, I've got this sickness, and they go, let me pray for you. Lord, anoint them in Jesus' name. Anoint joy. Open doors. Lord, hospitality, Lord. Lord, hospitality. Those who are called to hospitality. Open homes. Lord, open homes. In Jesus' name. Oh, Oh, let it come, Lord Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.
Father, thank you what you're doing in our midst, Lord God. Father, thank you, Father. Increase it, Lord. Lord, release that healing too, Lord God. Father, those who get better.